Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoon show. Bill Arnold, thank you uh, for joining me today. I'm going to have a wonderful hour with Dr. Carrie Heddington. I'm going to bring her on in just a minute. I'd first want to read some scripture to you because I want to give thanks. There are a couple of verses. First Chronicles 16:34 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 107 verse 1 says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. It's such a wonderful truth. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving uh, because we do want to be celebrating with great gratitude in our hearts. We want to do that every day, but this is an extra special week to be talking about it, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Dr. Carrie Heddington is an evangelist, and she has spoken throughout the U.S. and around the globe. She uh, shares her abundant life that she has found in Christ with uh, seekers and uh, Christians. She loves to do apologetics and evangelism. She's the founder of the Good News Initiative, which uh, is a, provides resources for evangelism. And she has uh, spoken all over the world. She got her undergraduate degree at Yale. She got her uh, master's at Harvard. And she got two graduate degrees in theology, evangelism, and apologetics from Oxford. It's quite the resume. I, for one, am jealous. She's with me now. Carrie, welcome. Hi, Bill. It's great to be with you. <laughs> You're such a great student. I was never that good of a student. (laughs) I love studying. I absolutely love studying. And and, and I'm a lifelong learner. I'm I'm not finished yet. My family's saying, Are you do you really want to go back to school? And yes, I do. I do. That's impressive. I'm especially I'm especially excited to to be here this week with you and thinking about Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, I I'm anxious to hear um, some of the teaching and wisdom you're going to share with us today. Um, We should have a spirit of thanksgiving all the time. I hope we all do as believers. Um, But this week in particular, it's a good time to pause and reflect. And and this will hopefully equip us uh, when we go talk to our friends and relatives and the people that we spend our Thanksgiving with. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I've I've been going back these these past few weeks, digging in and reading stories around the first Thanksgiving, and uh, it's it's really been encouraging to me. The picture I think we have as Americans of of that first Thanksgiving is uh, Puritans with their black top hats and bonnets and. Native Americans sitting at a long table, smiling in the balmy sunshine with the beautiful autumnal leaves turning all all around, feasting on turkey and cranberry sauce and <laughs> stuffing, and of course pumpkin mm-hmm. pie uh, with a bit of Cool Whip on top, and all are smiling and enjoying one another's company and swapping stories and joyous. And they got and those relaxed. little belt buckles on the top of their hats. we have is they're just they're just having a great time mm-hmm. and it's a great celebration 
But in reality, Bill, uh, it, it was quite different. And the actual picture of the first Thanksgiving is really encouraging, I think, especially where we are today, this Thanksgiving 2020, mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic that is killing so many and and separating us. It's It's painful. And it's really, really hard for everyone. I don't know one person who has not been impacted dramatically by this pandemic. And now that we're kind of in the start of that second wave, we're starting to feel another crunch. And here in Minnesota, we're starting to, we have shut down restaurants and gyms and things. So we're starting to um, to close up and it's it's not fun. Yes, you know, I'm here in Texas and uh, certainly in El Paso, uh, the the president is sending the na- the National Guard to help help our hospitals. And this Thanksgiving is hard. And but I want us to be encouraged because so it was with the first Thanksgiving. And I just want to share a little bit about the first Thanksgiving that I think will be an encouragement for our listeners today. Uh, the only documentation we have of the first Thanksgiving is from one Plymouth Colony statesman named Edward Wilson, uh, who wrote in 1621. And so what do we know about it? Bill, it, the first thing we know is absolutely dire, actually. People were dying. It was a time of profound loss. Half of the pilgrims on the Mayflower had died within their first three months of arrival to the Americas. So of the 102 Englishmen, only 50 were left. And out of the couples in Plymouth, only three still have their husband and wife both alive. Wow. I didn't know it was only three couples. Yes. Hmm. And and at that first Thanksgiving. And so we also know that um, Native Americans caught illnesses from the pilgrims, and many of them died as well. And so, like today, it was a time of great, great loss for all. And the second thing we know is also a time of profound uncertainty. There's a new book out written by historian John G. Turner called They Knew They Were Pilgrims, Plymouth Colony and the Contest for American Liberty. And this documents the first Thanksgiving and calls it chaotic and totally disorderly. The pilgrims were were in totally uncharted territory, being in a new land. The Native Americans were being invaded by an outside force and being dispossessed of their of their land. Imagine the heartache of losing all they had. And there was great distress between Native Americans and the English. They were terrified and suspicious of one another. And there was great hunger in the land. The first harvest for the settlers failed. The only way they began to have a little food was an American Indian friend named Squanto, who showed them how to harvest the strange new American crops. So there was so much anxiety about the political climate in England as well. There were land disputes. There were brawls, incidences of sexual assault. And the bit of documentation, as I said, that we do have comes from Plymouth Colony statesman Edward Wilson. And I just want to read a little bit about what he tells us of that first Thanksgiving feast. He said that the feast lasted for three days, which I love that. Isn't that great? So it was a three-day feast with 90 
uh, Wampanoag Indians, and only, as I said, only the 50 surviving English people. And four pilgrims were sent out hunting and killed, quote, this is what uh, what uh, Edward, uh, Edward um, uh, Winslow wrote. He said, as much fowl to feed us for a week. So they had a great, great hunting. And uh, the king of the uh, Native American tribe, King Massasoit, sent his men out to hunt. And they killed five deer to bring to the feast. So everyone was invited to the table and all pitched in to make the meal complete. It was a Plymouth potluck dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And Edward Wilson wrote, and I quote, And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want. So here we are. It was a time of unprecedented tension, strife, violence, division, racism, loss, hunger, death, and fear for all. And in the midst of this, the people stopped and gave thanks to God together. Does that sound familiar? Sounds amazing. And it just reminds us of where we are in 2020. You know, the the reading of the descriptions, it's tension, strife, violence, division, hunger, loss, death, racism, fear for all. And they stopped and came around the table together and gave thanks. And interestingly, I think, you know, when we think about giving thanks to God, um, oftentimes we think, well, I thank God during the good times. And interestingly, it's the moment, The moment that Thanksgiving was made an official American holiday was in the middle of the Civil War when Abraham Lincoln called for a national day of Thanksgiving. In the middle of war, Hmm. which is without a doubt the most challenging time of division and extreme heartbreak in our nation, President Lincoln called on all Americans to stop and give thanks to God to feast with one another. And so I've been thinking about uh, Thanksgiving 2020, and we certainly are having our heartache. And we are called right now to pause and give thanks. And this shows us that Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving following, certainly the thanks we give in our own lives is not dependent upon our external circumstances. It's not about the what, what is or what is not happening in our lives, but the who. Who do we turn to? Who can help us? And to whom do we turn in our time of trouble or any time in our lives? As one of my favorite preachers says, do we go to the phone or to the throne? Mm, I like that. And a psalm Bill, that really speaks to me over and over, and as I've been thinking about um, and praying this psalm, the psalm that has really ministered to me during this time of COVID and social unrest in our world is Psalm 121, and I'd love just to, to read it for our listeners today. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, 
the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Oh, that's such an incredibly powerful psalm. And I'm so comforted, Bill, by it, you know, to know that even though I don't know what to do often during this time of uncertainty, but God knows. Mm-hmm. God knows and is guiding. Yeah. And, uh, and, and when we feel exhausted, we know God is wide awake. Totally. Yeah. That's a terrific uh, reminder, Carrie. I'm going to take a little break. Dr. Carrie Headington is my guest talking about Thanksgiving. We'll uh, be back in 90 seconds. I'm back with Dr. Carrie Headington. She's founder of the Good News Initiative. She wants to equip congregations to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're talking about Thanksgiving. And Carrie, you've really got me thinking, you know, most of us get stuck in tradition. We have these ideas, just the way you described early on in the show about how we thought the Thanksgiving feast went with everybody with smiles and everything happy and everybody in a good mood and um, probably not at all what was going on. And you, you, you gave us a little dose of reality, which I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're just thinking about, just to emphasize again, that first Thanksgiving, and and really, if we're honest, every Thanksgiving following, that giving thanks to God is not dependent upon our external circumstances. It's not about the what, what is or what is not happening in our lives, but the who. Uh, Oxford theologian and evangelist Michael Green said over and again, these three things I know. God is good. Number one. Number two, God is at work. And number three, God is working all things for good. Mm-hmm. And what I love about giving thanks to God, Bill, is at, which is the focus of our Thanksgiving celebration, is when we give him thanks, he fills us up with his presence. We receive so much when we give thanks. Uh, Psalm 69 says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. And all throughout the Psalms, you see that the minute they begin to praise God and remember the goodness of God and all he's done for us through good times and bad times, it it ascends to this joy. The Bible says that when we praise and praise the Lord and give him thanks, he grows. He literally grows in us. Psalm 22 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. And this word in Hebrew is so profound. That word inhabit, God inhabits the praises of his people. That word inhabit means to make his dwelling. 
And as so as we praise him and give him thanks, God's presence grows in us. Um, Darlene Check, the great uh, worship leader, said in her book, Extravagant Worship, she said, and I quote, It's amazing to think that God, in all of his fullness, inhabits and dwells in our praises of him. Our praise is irresistible to God. As soon as he hears us call on his name, he is ready to answer us. That is the God we serve. Mm. And so scripture promises us, you know, that when we praise and give him thanks, his presence grows and his presence brings love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, Bill, I'll have some of that. How about you? (laughs) I'll take a big (laughs) dose of that. A big dose of that. I mean, an attitude of gratitude Mm -hmm. truly does lead to great joy and peace. Yeah. Now, Carrie, I want to say this without hopefully sounding critical of anybody, and this is not a judgmental statement at all, but do you think that there are a lot of believers that seem to have a more of a request-based prayer life uh, instead of a, a worship and praise-based prayer life? Because I think when we worship and praise and give Him thanks, I think our hearts grow deeper in love with Him. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, someone, uh, a theologian once said, you know, the, the, the Christian faith, the relationship with Jesus, as we give thanks, frees us from the prison of ourselves. So when our when our prayers are totally focused on on us like um God is, you know, a a, a cosmic dispenser of goodies. Mm-hmm. Um are, we 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 miss out the joy and the the gift that is giving thanks and setting our eyes beyond ourselves and fixing our eyes on God and being in that wondrous, beautiful relationship with Him that that does bring the gifts of the Spirit. But it's 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 taking our eyes off ourselves and and fixing them upward, and that's where the freedom is found. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I don't have a re- request based prayer life because I'm sure I do. Um, but w- when I think about focusing and trying to give God more worship and praise and honor and admiration, and I make that my prayer, I know that I know what it does to my heart. I know what it does to my peace and my um, my anxiety. All that goes down, and my heart gets filled. Yes, because as we know, He knows what is best for us, and so we can as as we worship Him, as we give Him thanks, we fully put our trust in him, you know, to believe, pisteo in Greek, to trust, to commit to, to put our weight down on. And he says, come to me like little children. You know, he says, he says, come to me with your, your, your request. You know, I want to know, but above all, when we praise him, when we thank him, when we fix our eyes on who he is and his goodness, that's when that peace just absolutely fills us. As Psalm 22 says, he inhabits, he comes to dwell in our hearts, that wonderful spirit as we give thanks. And, you know, gratitude, gratitude kills bitterness. 
and it's a wonderful antiseptic for anger as well. As you said, that peace just comes in. But it, it can be a struggle. It can be a struggle, can't it, Bill? Yeah, it can. Uh, you know, but you're always learning things from your parents. And uh, when, when I would think of, you know, visiting my mom uh, as she was getting older, you know, if it was her birthday or something, I'd always be fussing over what I might get her. And she's just, I just want to, I just want you to come by. <laughs> I, you know, I just want to be yeah. in your presence. You don't have to bring me anything. Just be with me. You know, it's, yeah. you're always reminded that that is God's desire for us to be with him. Yes. Just to be with him, just to be with him and to, to thank him, you know, and I think there, he's, he's, he's constantly blessing us, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He's constantly blessing us and we miss it. You know, um, a, a mentor of mine one time got me in the habit of doing this. He said, Carrie, what I want you to do this week, I want you to thank God for every single thing. I'm talking, if you open your eyes, you thank him for it. If you're breathing, you thank him for it. If you have a pillow under your head, thank him. Thank him for the sheets. Thank you for the comforter. Thank him for air conditioning in Texas. Thank him for your socks and your shoes. Thank him for everything. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that taught me a lot about gratitude. And then I had another wonderful... A Bible teacher who's who's still like a mother in Christ to me, Irene Simmons. I would go to her when I felt depressed, and she said, "I'm going to tell you a little secret." She said, "It's the power of praise and thanksgiving." She said, "Cry your eyes out to God, tell Him your sorrows, and then we're now going to start to praise Him, and and we're going to thank Him." And she, it's like, it was like weightlifting, Bill. Mm -hmm. She she got me into that habit of in the midst of, there was a time in my life, um, over a period of six years, we lost nine family members, including uh, my mother and my stepsister and aunts and grandparents. And then at the end, our pastor died. Uh, it was a very difficult time, and she just said, Carrie, she said, cry. It's okay. God can handle your tears. God can handle your disappointments and your anger and your frustration. And she said, let it all out. And then she would say, okay, now we're going to start to praise him. Hmm. And that, that, that spiritual muscle memory was profound. Wow. Carrie, that's a great... Um a great illustration, and there's something so powerful about lamenting well and taking yes. those tears to God. We're going to uh, take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Carrie Headington as we talk about Thanksgiving and having a full heart of gratitude. We'll be right back.
I am back with Dr. Carrie Headington. She's an evangelist, and she's spoken all around the world. She loves the Lord and loves to uh, connect with spiritual seekers and Christians alike. She is the founder of the Good News Initiative, which provides all kinds of resources in evangelism. Um, she's got a very impressive resume. I like bragging about it because who gets to say that she did her undergraduate at Yale, her master's at Harvard, and two graduate degrees at Oxford. Very impressive. Anyway, she's back with me today, and we're talking about Thanksgiving. And, Carrie, it's um, it's important that we uh, maintain a nice full heart when it comes to our spirit of thanksgiving to God. Absolutely. You know, we're talking about the attitude of gratitude mm-hmm. truly does lead to great joy and peace. And, you know, as we, we think about family, uh, I was born in Oklahoma, uh, born there and, and uh, grew up in Texas, but Oklahoma, you know, was called Indian Territory and for, for many years until statehood in 1907. And there's an old Cherokee story that has been passed down for generations. A, a grandson to his grandfather asked this question. He said, Papa, I feel so anxious inside and angry a lot of the time. And there are brief moments of peace, but they are brief. And the grandfather replies, Dear grandson, Within every human heart, there are two wolves. One is peace and love, and the other is despair and hate. And these two wolves battle each other. Which one wins, asks the grandson. And the grandfather replies, the one you feed the most. Mm -hmm. And so my, my question for our listeners today as we think about Thanksgiving is, what are you feasting on this Thanksgiving? Are you feasting on constant negative news loops on your TV or your iPhone? Are you feasting on bitterness, anger, regret, or even or even the fantasy of the perfect American Thanksgiving? Or perhaps you're feasting on mindless entertainment to distract you from the reality of 2020. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to try to feast on these things is like, you know, munching on a small fluffy meringue. It may be sweet but it's insubstantial and it doesn't nourish. In 2020, more than ever, certainly in my lifetime, we need a Thanksgiving that is a proper meal. We need to feast on the meal that was made just for us by our Creator. You know, Jesus, God with skin, the invisible God made visible, the unknowable God made knowable, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, what we're about to celebrate as we enter into Christmas time. God with us invites us to his feast of life, the abundant life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will never go hungry. And so many people are hungry right now. I know here in Dallas, we're seeing long lines of people waiting for food every single day. Our churches have come together and given over 1 million pounds of food away since March. And every morning, Bill, I check in with our food pantries, and they report that even before they arrive at the food pantry, that there's a long line of people waiting for food. But I would argue also that our bellies are not only hungry, but so are our souls. We are starving ourselves. Our souls are starving. 
So I want to ask us, what is on Jesus's Thanksgiving menu? Hmm. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and are carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest to your, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, said Jesus, have come that they may have life and life in abundance. And Jesus gives all kinds of images about the kingdom of God. But my favorite, one of my very favorites of Jesus, which is uh, recorded in the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, is Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a king who prepares a great banquet, a feast. And he says to all, the feast is ready. And can we hear God's longing. He yearns for all to be at his table. Every race, every creed, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, all. Our God is a global God with a global mission. And in the Bible, God invites us to be with him over 600 times. He says, come to me, follow me, taste and see. Mm. You are invited. Now, I think many of us, Bill, think that we're not good enough. And you and I know that's the key. None of us are. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we are all invited. And Jesus is saying in this parable that the kingdom of God begins with an invitation to a feast. And Jesus is, beckons us all to come. So, so I just want to look for a moment, Bill, if I may. What is at the feast of God? Now, we could spend... Hours, literally, think about that first Thanksgiving feast went on for three days. We could spend we could spend uh, centuries and centuries talking about what's at the feast of God. But I want to highlight four things today uh, as I think about the word life, L I F E. It's late in the day, so let's let's give a, a a little way to remember it. So the first aspect at the feast, what's on menu from Jesus, is L, love, unconditional love. Now, it's hard for us to understand or even get our mind around this kind of love. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. God loves us because, as it says in 1 John, God is love. And this means when you look in the mirror in the morning and think, you know, gosh, if anyone ever knew that about me, they would run and reject me. And God says, I love the whole of you unconditionally because I am love. In Scripture, God says to us, I love you with an everlasting love. Jesus says, I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. God's love endures forever. So first at that feast is love. The second aspect at the feast on menu is I, L-I, an identity. We get a new identity, Bill, and I think especially during this time of Thanksgiving uh, can be hard. Uh, The shortcomings of our family really come out, and family can be a source of pain for so many. 
it's a it's also a time when people who have lost family in fact I was talking to a woman this afternoon who said Thanksgiving's always so hard for me because my mother died 10 years ago the day after Thanksgiving it can be hard it can be lonely um but Jesus says if you follow me and believe in me you become my child Jesus says, you are now part of my family. He adopts us into his family, which is all loving and always with us. You know, Mother Teresa, when she visited the U.S., she said that America is the most impoverished nation, not because of its economy, but because of our loneliness. And God says, you are part of my family now forever. You are my child. I have adopted you. So powerful. So we have love. We have an identity, a new identity in Christ. The third is is an L-I-F-E. The F is at this feast is forgiveness. Jesus took on the sins of the whole world, suffering the most brutal death on the cross, and rose again from the dead so that we could be forgiven and in relationship with God forever. And Bill, just to get our minds around this, there is not one thing any of us have done that Jesus is not ready and waiting, on tiptoe waiting to forgive. And many of us carry this great guilt and shame from our past and current mistakes and pains we've caused, pains we've suffered ourselves and pains we've caused others. And I think, Bill, I don't know about you, but in this time of pandemic, we're sitting often alone or at home, and things are a little quieter, and we're thinking of our mistakes. I think the enemy loves to taunt us and haunt us with that, how we've hurt others and how we've been hurt ourselves. And Jesus says at his feast, he's sitting at the head of the table, and he says, I will cast out your sins as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. You are forgiven. So that is so powerful. So we have L, we have love, unconditional. We have I, we have a new identity in Christ adopted as his child. F, we have forgiveness of sins. And now E, eternal life. And eternal life is not pie in the sky by and by. I think that's our vision, like, well, I'll get there someday John 17 says this, John writes, eternal life begins here and now. Eternal life is to know God and to be in relationship with him, Bill, that relationship that you and I have been talking about, that especially grows deeper as we give thanks and praise to God and set our eyes and fix our eyes and our hearts on him. And he gives us his spirit, his holy Spirit to be with us forever. And this Holy Spirit provides calm in the storm and comfort and sorrow. I know this. Joy in the midst of grief. I know. You know, I've I've had my struggles with depression since the age of nine, and I'm always amazed how in the midst of it, as I praise God, as I thank God, this absolute, unstoppable joy flows in 
and it is it is amazing and and in and, and in my mind it's an absolute miracle. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in every single believer. Bill, that's serious strength. Oh, is it ever? That's incredible power. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's not just strength to survive and kind of make it limping along, but it's to thrive. Jesus said, I will give you my spirit. So Jesus says, come to the feast and be fed. And I think many followers of Jesus are living on a side salad of iceberg lettuce. We <laughs> we go out in the world totally malnourished. Um, and so my question for all of us, and I'm asking myself the same question, is when was the last time you truly gorged at the feast of our Lord? I mean, that kind of... Uh, gorging like tryptophan and turkey where you mm-hmm. just stuff yourself with God's goodness and feast on his word and spend time in his presence and give him thanks and and the peace comes rushing in. We can't survive on anything else, Bill. No, I agree. You know, I sometimes when I need to feast, I will often go to Psalm 103 because it yes. r- reminds me to to praise him and not forget his benefits because he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases and redeems my life from the pit, crowns me with love and compassion and satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. I mean, just that alone, when I meditate on that, it does fill my heart in a way that nothing else can. Yes. And and see, the fact that that just... just uh, trickled right off your tongue shows that you have feasted on that. I have. I go there all the time. You know, so so Jesus is inviting us to feast. And then he says in this parable, which is also where the joy is found, he says, so feast. And then he says, okay, servant, now you feasted your full. Go out and invite others to the feast. We're not meant to just fill ourselves and not move. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we could get obese or or <laughs> constipated or both. Or we're, to, we're to be filled and we're to get up and get out. We're to spread the love of Jesus. And as you and I were talking about, you know, Thanksgiving is a wonderful time to get out and to share the love of Jesus and invite others to the feast. And it doesn't have to be a literal feast around the table. Many of us are are at home this uh, alone this Thanksgiving, but to 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 make that phone call, to to give that encouraging word, to write that note, to send that email, send that text, and just remind people, God is real, God is alive, God loves you, you know, and to show the love of Jesus and say so you can meet Him, come to the feast, you know, Jesus loved dinner parties, and. He had all sorts of guests, and and I I encourage our listeners, you know, go back during this Thanksgiving, read a gospel, and look at Jesus at these great dinner parties. He especially loved the dejected, the detestable, the wayward. He loved dinner parties with lost causes and wild sinners, the most unlikely dinner guests. <laughs> and he wanted all at his party. He turned no one away. Right. You know, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. 
Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to miss this opportunity to say yes to God's invitation to the feast. And he extends it to every single person on the planet. As it says in the Bible, for God so loved the world, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Mm, so good, Carrie. I need to take one more little break. Dr. Carrie Heddington is my guest talking about Thanksgiving. We'll be right back. Dr. Curry Heddington, we're talking about Thanksgiving. God is so incredibly invitational with us. That should definitely be an inspiration to us that we would be invitational with others. I try to regularly do what I think of in my head as one or two out of the blue. And that means that every week I try to, out of the blue, contact one or two people that uh, wouldn't have expected to hear from me. Um, So it's just kind of go through your your phone index and look up some names and go, I haven't talked to this person in for months and months and months, maybe years. And just out of the blue, give them a call, see how they're doing. And you'd be surprised uh, how, what an impact that's going to have. Oh, Bill, I love that. Uh, one or two out of the blue one or two out every of the blue. week. Mm-hmm. I love that because we don't want to miss the opportunity to say yes to to God's feast, and then we want to go out. He sends us to go out and invite people, invite people to this pe- to to the feast. And people are hurting, you know. Um, C.S. Lewis said, "Pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world." and the coronavirus is a megaphone. Everyone mm. has been awakened, and everyone is asking what can heal us, not just our bodies, but our minds and our souls. And Jesus' feast is the answer of love and a new identity adopted as his child, forgiveness and freedom and eternal life, the gift of his spirit. And so you're right, you know, one or two out of the blue Make that connection. Call out and to let people know that they are loved and that that we we embody that love of Jesus. You know, Philip Yancey in his book, Vanishing Grace, um, uh, said this. He said there was a poll done a while back of the three phrases Americans want to hear. The first one, number one, I love you. Number two, I forgive you. And the third surprised him. The third is, this is interesting, Bill, supper's ready. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Supper's ready. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what I love about, and uh, as we wrap up here, to think about the last chapter of the Bible, the last chapter, Revelation, chapter 3, in the Bible, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. 
the door of your heart and knock, anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, and it says, and eat with you and sup with you, i.e., I will come in and sit and have a meal with you. Mm-hmm. And feed you. He doesn't just eat and run, but he stays forever. And giving you his life moment by moment, his life menu daily. Our world is hungry. We're hungry. I am hungry. This Thanksgiving, I encourage us all to feast at God's banquet and to invite others. It's the only feast that satisfies. Mm -hmm. And so, Bill, I think, you know, in these final moments, just to remind people, if anyone has not said yes to the feast, to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for inviting me to be with you and follow you. Thank you for inviting me to your feast. Forgive me when I've rejected you. Forgive me when I've gone my own way. Thank you for saving me. I say yes to your invitation. Be my Lord and Savior forever. And for those who are followers of Jesus, I invite us all to pray and think of our one or two out of the blue who we can invite to the feast. And just to remind us that if we are at home alone this Thanksgiving, I want to remind us all that we are not alone. Jesus says, I will eat with you. I will sup with you forever. So Jesus is right there at your table. You're not alone. This Thanksgiving 2020 is not without stress and strains, but just like the first Thanksgiving, we pause and we thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life and life for an eternity. Happy Thanksgiving, Bill. So powerful, Carrie. You know, one of one of my one or two out of the blues I, I texted this morning, and the response uh, I got back from him was, funny that you should text me this morning. You popped into my mind just yesterday, and I thought, you should text Bill just to see how he's doing. Well, you beat me to it, and I'm still shaking my head at the timing. Ah, oh, see? And, and that shows... You know, it's God's mission, and God's already at work extending love, and we just need to, to to ask him and to follow those nudges. I always say, follow the nudges. Follow the nudges. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I, I'd love to just end with this, this scripture from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition— with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Mm. You know, I love the word guard, Carrie. That's a pretty important word right now, because a lot of us, a lot of people feel unguarded, and they don't need to. They need to feel guarded, because that's God's job. He'll guard your heart. And yeah. I was just reading about an article about the, the 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 isolation, the loneliness that's going on in our country. And, you know, it seems that holidays are a big magnifying glass. Um, a big magnifying glass goes over your life and everything looks bigger. Um, yeah. And there's that sense of what's, like you said, what's going right, what's not going right. You know, people hate being alone with their thoughts. Um, that's why they put elevator music in elevators. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to be alone with your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think I think one thing that really has stood out to me about our conversation today is um, that sense of stretching beyond ourselves. You know, Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And so, you know, I always, I love when Paul says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Mm-hmm. And Thanksgiving is such an incredible opportunity, as as you said, to fix our eyes on God afresh and to just give him thanks, to bask in his goodness and his love. Yeah. And to feast. Yeah, I love the word feast. Carrie, thank you so much for being with me today on the show. It's been great having you. Uh, Bill, I've loved it, and, and happy Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, have a little pie for it. Oh, all right, thank you so much. Dr. Carrie Headington has been my guest, and that wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much for this time that we've been able to spend together. I've loved being with you, and I appreciate you, and I thank you for supporting Faith Radio. I'm looking forward to our time already tomorrow together. That's going to be a wonderful show. Rob Louie is going to join me. Jeff Verdorn is going to join me. That's all ahead on the next show. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.